Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word, as your people, will you open it to us? Allow us to receive into our hearts and our minds, into the circumstances, the joys and trials of our lives, whatever it is you may have for us. By your Spirit, transform us that we might live kingdom-first lives. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Please be seated. Yeah, I'm trying something different. <laughs> going to use a podium. I'm only going to be behind it for probably 10% of the sermon, because every time I get excited, I'm going to step over here. But I'm starting here, because I have a couple of things that I'm quoting throughout the message, and it's just easier. So I'm going to leave it right here. And... <laughs> I want you to imagine if this morning... In a single message, I could help you feel more alive, sleep better, express more compassion and kindness toward others, have a stronger immune system, increase your level of alertness, enthusiasm, determination, optimism, and energy, help you experience less depression and stress, make you more likely to help others, make you exercise more, Improve the romance of your marriage, along with other parts of your marriage. Extend the life of your marriage. Increase your sense of belonging. Help you make greater progress towards personal goals. And simply make you more cheerful day to day. Would you be interested? Now, now you may think at this point that either... I have given up the legitimate uh, role of preaching, and I'm moving to selling snake oil, or something like that, because that may sound a little bit too good, too ridiculous. How in the world could one message actually bring all of that about? But what if it could? What if what I have to tell you today could actually make a difference in all of those areas in your life? Would you like to hear about it? We've been talking the last two weeks specifically about foundational parts of living a kingdom first life. Two weeks ago, it was humility. That humility was not just one action, but an overall way of seeing life. And then last week, it was a holy ordering of our everyday life. What if you took your calendar out and it were all blank and you put God in first and then filled it in with everything else? What would that look like? What if you actually surrounded and lived your life first for the things of the kingdom and then everything else was kind of fit in? Today is the last kind of foundational point for kingdom first living out of Chronicles. Humility is number one. Holy living or ordering of our life is number two. Here's number three, and this last thing, it can actually make a difference in every one of those areas that I read. Before telling you, I'm going to read a quote that kind of summarizes a part of what this last thing is. Here's the quote. 
So much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. Read it one more time. So much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. One word. Thanksgiving. Gratitude. That one idea, that one concept, can actually make a difference in every area I just read to you. And I don't mean that just from a biblical standpoint, but it's biblical and there are scientific studies to show it. There are life experiences that actually demonstrate that thankfulness, gratitude, can impact every area I just read. Can that really be true? All right, here's the sermon for today. I told you, I'm already moving up from behind the podium. Here's the sermon for today. I want to walk you through a biblical plan for the practice of thanksgiving. Right, it's very practical. I'm going to give you three things to do. Right, and this is a very practical message. Three things to actually live out a life of thanksgiving. And then at the end, I want to come back to this question. Does it really work? Right, if I do these things, could I actually notice a difference in my life in energy? Could I sleep better? Could I treat people better? Could my immune system actually be changed? Like, is that possible? I want to come back to that question. Right. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles 16. Here is the plan. I'm going to lay it out and then walk through the text and show you the various ways in which David is doing this. Here's the plan. Step number one. And by the way, um, this is not going to uh, feel like rocket science to you. Right, nothing I say is going to make you go, wow. Like I've never once thought of that. All right, step number one. Give thanks. Actually do it every day. Number two, make a record of things that are worth giving thanks for. And number three, pause and savor something in life every day. Those are the three things. Number one, give thanks every day. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Um, they have just brought the ark in. Um, we're going to start in verse 7. Uh, David has appointed some people. We've actually read verses 1 through 7 already in a previous sermon. But we're just going to re-hit verse 7 here, which leads up to this song of thanks. You may have a little uh, title above verse 8, David's song of thanks. Verse 7, Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to Yahweh by Asaph and his brothers. And, and I don't want this verse to lose its significance by just reading over it. When it says, on that day, David first appointed, 
That's literal. Before this point, you don't have anyone appointed to sing thanksgiving to God. From this point, just go do a search in your Bible of the word thanks. Starting in Chronicles, you will begin to see thanks being given. In the Psalms, you will see it in Ezra and Nehemiah and in the latter prophets. But it actually, there's something happening here that is very significant. David is changing the worship of the people of God. And he's adding in something very significant. It's part of what we do every Sunday when we are singing praise to God. This is a big move right here. And it is throughout the rest. There are people who are either appointed or as they are led, they are singing thanksgiving to God. Now, here's the thanksgiving, and here's that first, sta- first step, okay? That we give thanks. Verse 8. Oh, give thanks to Yahweh. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. And that word means something like boast. Right? Not in you. Not in me. Not even in us, but boast in him. Boast in his holy name and let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Be glad. Be gra- have that gratitude. Seek Yahweh in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Now, jump down to verse 37. So David left Asaph and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh to minister regularly before the ark as each day required. This thanksgiving that they're assigned to, it wasn't a one-time thing. He was setting them up to do this every single day. Give thanks to Yahweh every day. My first point to us, give thanks every day. And I mean literally, verbally. I don't mean just kind of think about things that are worth giving thanks for. But every day, give thanks to God for something. Every day, give thanks to your spouse. You may or may not be amazed by some of the studies that are done that simply being grateful and verbalizing it to your spouse over time can actually change your relationship. Give thanks to your spouse. Give thanks to the barista that makes your Starbucks. Give thanks to your kids when they actually do the thing you tell them to do, which I know it's not very often, but that that once in a while time. Give thanks. It is a really, really significant part of the overall strategy that we regularly, every day, and I'm just going to give it you a number, I want you to, if you're willing to take this challenge, for the next month, I want you to give thanks intentionally at least three times every day. Three times. I'm going to, um, I'm going to give thanks here for a minute. I said there's a lot of people that do a lot of things at Redemption. And I'm pretty sure that 90% of you, maybe 100, uh, maybe if you're brand new, you don't quite get there, but you will 
if you're here for a long time, is I could probably have you stand up and I could say something about the way you've served in the church. Um, however, I want to draw attention to a particular group. Right? Um, we have a group that comes in and they do set up in the mornings and we have another group that do tear down in the afternoons and, and that's a lot of work. I mean, this wouldn't be here without them. Right? And, and if you are one who has never done set up or tear down, all this stuff does not magically appear here. We really wish that it did because it would take a whole lot of stress and time and energy off of everybody else. But there is a particular group, they do set up and tear down every single week. Every single week that they're here, they do set up and tear down. They're here in the beginning, they stay afterwards to do the tear down. And on top of that, they meet on a Wednesday night to rehearse, and on top of that, they don't ever get to go to church like you guys do. Because they're over there for over half of the service. I just want you to think about it for a minute. Our worship team, and they're all volunteers, our worship team is here at 7 o'clock every Sunday morning. They don't leave till 12.30 or 1 o'clock every Sunday afternoon. They're not just one side or the other. And on top of that, they can't even just come and like sit down and go to church. They're over there. They deserve Thanksgiving. They deserve it every single Sunday. Like we should have people in our church going up to them every Sunday and going, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Because they do an awesome job. I mean, our music is really good. Especially for being like a church plant in a school. It's really good. Amen. Give thanks. Give it regularly. All right, number two. Keep going with me, but step number two, we've got verbal thanksgiving. Step two in the plan is to note at least three things a day that are worth giving thanks for. Three things a day, and, and journal them. Um, I read about people doing a little, like, thank jar where they just wrote something and dropped it in the jar. I figure out whatever you want to do, but literally note three things a day that you can give thanks for, whether they are from that day specifically or maybe they're just something in the past you thought of and went, I'm so thankful for that. Right. Go with me back into the text. Verse 12, remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered, O offspring of Israel, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. Remember his wondrous works. Remember that you're chosen. These are all things that David is now noting for them. These are worth the song. And I'm going to read a whole bunch more in a minute. But this song that starts off, oh, give thanks, these are the things that David is noting. These are worth giving thanks for. Keep going. He is Yahweh our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed as a statute to Jacob, as an everlasting covenant of Israel, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. Perhaps you remember one day and you write in your journal a promise of God from his word that it is worth giving thanks for. That's what David is doing here. He's remembering the promises of God. 
And he's telling him, these are worth giving thanks for. Note them down. Keep going. When you were few in number and of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, touch not my anointed ones. Do not harm, um, no, do not harm, sorry, do my prophets no harm. I will get that line. Again, think about one day, what is it that God has protected you from? What is it that God has taken you through? What is it that God has done in your life that you didn't deserve that you can give thanks for? And write that down. Keep going. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Just think about your salvation. Write that down. Step number two. Note, remember, write down, however you can do it, three things every day that you are thankful for, that you can give thanks for, whether they are from that day, from the previous, but write them down. For one month, write them down. And here's the one thing you cannot do. You cannot write the exact same thing down each day. You can't just say, so I'm, I'm going to use one right now. I'm going to tell you one of the things I'm actually thankful for that I might write down. I am thankful that for about 15 minutes this morning, and it's probably because my wife and I went to bed a little earlier than we normally do. Normally, we go to bed far too late, and when our alarm goes off, we just hit snooze like 150 times, and we're so worn out that eventually the only reason we get out of bed is because one of us happens to look and go, Wah! and then we're jumping out of bed. This morning, the alarm went off, and both of us were just enough awake that we kind of just got to lay there together for about 15 minutes. It was marvelous. I was still half asleep, but I was also there. I was present in a way that we just don't get to do that very much. I am thankful for that moment. I cannot say over and over again just I'm thankful for my wife. And I cannot say over and over again, I'm thankful for that. I can say I'm thankful for that. The next day I could say, I am thankful that my wife, I think I can say this, picked up a growler for me the other day. (laughs) I'm really thankful for that. It was awesome. Um, Different things. It can be the same person. It can be the same relationship. It just can't be the same thing over and over again. Note some things you're thankful for. Let me show you another thing I would write in my journal if I were writing from this morning. Most of you, at this point, I think, um, probably know that Erica Hill has been in the hospital for a very long time and that the baby was finally born and at 26 weeks, and there could have been so many things that could have gone wrong. Um, When I showed up Friday night at the hospital, I was in my collar, and and Mark was like, what are you in that for? You're scaring people. But there was a reason I came in my collar. There was a better chance that things would have gone wrong than things would have gone right. That emergency C-section was really, really early. And things really could have been wrong. And I came ready to be with the family, to pray with them, to be their priest. But instead, we got to celebrate. Um, And this is a text that I got from him last night at 11 p.m., Right? 
Baby is stable. They have her on UV lights, which is normal at this age. Got to change two diapers today. She looked at both of us while we were touching her. She's doing well. I would write that down. I'm thankful for that. Right? Write down three things every day for the next month that you are thankful for. My third, I get on the scale every day. <laughs> I got on this morning and then I had to get back on again because I had to check the number. 169. Okay, let me, just, let me just tell you something. I've had a six in the third digit a lot. I've never had it in first. Um, but I have not had it as the middle digit since high school. I'm below 170. I'm probably not now, I ate breakfast. But I would put down, I am thankful for 169. What are you thankful for? Figure it out and write those things down. Three things that you are thankful for every day for a month. And number three, pause and savor something every day. Just one thing, pause and savor it. Look back at our text, verse 24. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised. He is to be held in awe above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but Yahweh made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to Yahweh, O clans of the peoples. Ascribe to Yahweh glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come to him. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It will never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, Yahweh reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before Yahweh, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to Yahweh, for he's good. His steadfast love endures forever. I want to tell you something about King David. He savored life. Just read the things that he says. Read his psalms. He knows something about nature. How often do you hear somebody talk about the oceans exalting God? That's not random. It is David in Psalm 8 who was looking at the heavens going, Wow, who are we that you're even mindful of us? This is amazing. I think that David probably got up every morning and said, no decisions right now. I'm having my cup of Folgers. And he sat with it, and he smelled the coffee. And he went, oh. And then his kid said, you're getting a text. And he went, no, no texts right now. I'm sitting out in God's world savoring the dew on the grass while I drink my coffee because God brought this and I'm going to enjoy it. Because when I read David, I mean, this is a guy who was 
He was a ruler. For so much of his life, he was on the run. There's all these reasons why David was hurrying through life, constantly hurrying through life, and yet he's talking about all these things in the world around him, which means somewhere along the way, David noticed them. David savored them. That's what we're called to. Savor, pause life for a moment, every day. Find something. Stop eating on the run all the time. You do not have to have your phone sitting next to you at every single meal so that you can surf the web, answer emails, send back texts. Man, just for once, shove it aside, take a bite and go, hey, this is actually good. I mean, choose something good, not a microwave meal, but savor for a moment life. Slow down a little bit and let the beauty of God's creation impact you. This is what I think we're like. I'm sitting in the office. I am putting final touches on the sermon this morning as I do just about every Sunday morning. And every Sunday morning, my kids need something, even though I'm busy. I have stuff to do for the church. My kids are constantly bugging me. My son comes into the office and he goes, Daddy, Daddy, can I please go in the garage? I need to get my Lego out of the stroller. We took a walk yesterday. He brought a Lego with him. He put it in the bottom of the stroller. And I'm like, not right now. Hold on. I'll come help you in a minute because the stroller is going to be in the van and it's going to be in the back of the van, and it's, the garage is closed. You can't get out. I'm like, hold on. I'll go get it for you. I get back to work. He comes back in. Daddy, can we go get that Lego? I said, hang on. I'm not done. Like, go back out there. Comes back in a third time. Daddy, can we please go get the Lego out of the van? And I look up. I go, dude, the stroller's right there. You've walked by it every time you've walked in my office. Like you almost ran into it. It is literally sitting next to my door facing him. He has to walk to the stroller, turn, and walk into my office. I've told you three times it's in the stroller. I'm letting myself off the hook by now, right now, because of my attitude. Ignore that part. But I wonder how much we're like my son. The very things we're actually seeking we keep walking right by them. We're in such a hurry. We're so demanding. We've already got on our head what we think things need to be that we're just walking right by our answer every single time because we won't slow down. How fast is your life? Pause and savor something every day. Three steps. Give thanks three times a day. Intentionally, give thanks. Write down three things that you are thankful for. Whether that's in a journal or on a computer or whatever you do, just write down three things you're thankful for every day. And every day, pause and savor something in life. Now, will that make your circumstances change? No. That will not change it. If you are thinking to yourself right now, I am not sure I have three things to give thankful for. Right? Even if you do find them and you do it for one month, 
It is not going to change your circumstances any more than going out into freezing weather without a jacket and going, I am so cold, and thinking warm thoughts will change the weather. You could try that, but it's not going to do anything. Here's what will help. You don't change your circumstances, you change you. Go put a coat on. It will make the cold difference. You could still be in the frigid cold weather, and yet you can look at things differently because you've changed you. What this is doing is changing us, not our circumstances. It's allowing us to see the same things differently. I promise you, I am not up here telling you if you'll just give thanks for a month, suddenly you're going to like win the lottery and your house is going to be paid off and you're going to be able to stop working and everyone's going to love you and you're going to become famous. If that happens, I get credit. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to. What I'm telling you is it will change us. Right, why do I say that? It's not just me. I'm not the one that's, that's saying it. I'm going to tell you, does this really work? Right, you can look up studies by Michael McCullough, Robert Emmons, Edward Deasy, Richard Ryan, Daniel Gilbert, Tara Kraft, Sarah Pressma, and a whole bunch more. These are all professors from universities anywhere from SMU to Harvard that are doing studies on gratitude, thanksgiving, and the way in which it actually impacts us. There's a reason we do the great thanksgiving, and we're told to. This isn't something we made up. We didn't decide, okay, we're going to do Eucharist now. We were given that. Because gratitude and thanksgiving can actually make that much of a difference in our lives. All right, so you've got studies that are be done, being done, and you've got people that are experiencing, I'm going to read a story to you. Some of you are going to relate to this lady's experience and maybe even her thoughts about what I've told you. Right, so just hear her out. My family immigrated from Russia to the United States when I was 13 years old. Refugee camps, city housing projects, food stamps, wearing donated clothes, being made fun of endlessly for everything from not speaking English to eating weird things for lunch. That's the patchwork of memories composing my early life in America. While we were almost entirely dependent on the kindness of strangers during that time, the stress and trauma we felt obliterated any notion of gratitude. When you are just trying to survive, thankfulness seems like a luxury, not a coping strategy. For me, surviving the pain of that experience was all about coping. And my coping strategy was laser-focused on one goal, becoming happy. Isn't that the, imminent, the immigrant's dream? To become happy to achieve success, to make a lot of money, to move on and to move up. Right, this is what she's going through. And she's looking at the world and she's going, my life was awful. And some of you right now could probably raise your hands and there are parts of your life that are awful. Maybe not all of it, but enough of it that you could say, I struggle with giving thanks. And to be honest, I don't know that this would really work. You know what? 
she said the same thing. And I will read it to you. Um, she goes through a number of things I think are really interesting in here. But here's one other thing she says. This sounds um, naive. If I just go make a lot of money and if I just pursue happiness, I'll get it. Because how many of us have put happiness as the goal and then had a hard time finding it? How many of you have achieved your success and still not found the happiness that you were looking for? I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. We know. Sounds naive. Um, she says, however, I hear a lot of adults still continue to talk this way. That being happy is a condition on my situation. And that's how a lot of people think of happiness, right? Conditional on my situation. It would come after success, after achievement, after money, after a certain home, after a certain job, after a certain status, and yet research shows we have reversed the order. Small things and moments generate more satisfaction and more happiness than the large ones do. Research. Notice that, and you can go on there, and she shows the number of people she's looking at. Confession. Practicing gratitude as a way of finding inner peace, contentment, and lasting happiness seems ridiculous to me. Maybe you are sitting there, and you at least have a little of that yourself. And you're thinking, I think I just wasted 30 minutes of my life listening to this guy ramble on about being thankful. She was saying that. It was too simplistic. It was too cliche. I wanted to dismiss it, dismiss it but I couldn't. I needed help. So I decided to follow the research, Brian McFarland, research, <laughs> and see where it led me, at least for a few months. I would practice gratitude intentionally and regularly. I was sure it wouldn't work and certain that my experiment would allow me to feel justified in dismissing it as a solution. Here's the punchline. Despite my extreme skepticism, Practicing gratitude changed my life. And I want you to listen specifically to how. For all of you out there, and I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, for all of you out there that are pessimists by nature, she is too. Right? So just listen to the result. It didn't turn me into some happy-go-lucky person I was never meant to be or frankly wanted to be but I developed a fundamentally different way of thinking and moving through life. One in which I stopped taking for granted all the tiny good moments that were already a part of my life. I stopped looking for happiness out there and then learned to find it right here. I felt more connected to friends and family and colleagues and even on my toughest days, I managed my stress better. My advice? Give gratitude a shot. If you're skeptical, do it anyway. If your reaction as you're reading this or listening to my sermon is, quote, this is so not for me, just do it as an experiment. Gratitude is a skill and a habit you can cultivate. And just because it doesn't come naturally, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or that you won't be able to feel the benefits that come with nurturing gratitude as a habit. And you know what she did? The exact same three things I'm asking you to do. What was amazing about reading this is I was putting together this message. All I had to do was reverse it. It was just amazing to me. I put together the message, and then I'm doing my research for illustrations, and I ran across her, and she said, here was my plan. 
And it was the exact same three things I was going to tell you guys to do. All I had to do was reverse one and two and change a little of my language. I went ahead and matched hers. She did it, and that was the response. And if that's not enough for you, let me just do one more thing and I will end. I'm going to read that quote to you again. So much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. I want to tell you who said that. Helen Keller. I don't care what you're going through in life. It's not that. She can't even savor the world in the way that we can. Her sight, her hearing, she can't even savor the world in the way we can. And yet, this is from her. Gratitude works. It is biblical, it is scientific, and it can be life-changing. And it is foundational for a kingdom first life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, teach us gratitude. Teach us thankfulness. Even as we come up to this holiday of thanksgiving, Lord, help us to slow down. Help us to be intentional about practicing gratitude. That it might begin to change our souls, our hearts, our outlook. That we might be a people of thanksgiving. A Eucharistic people who see life fundamentally different. Because, Lord, at the root of all of it, we have you, which means we have far more to be thankful for than we will ever be able to say. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.